Check out the boys. Being big boys all on their own tonight. <laughs> Do you know, today, every time I prepare, sometimes you feel like something that you, that you feel as though the devil's trying to stop you. And sometimes you just think, is this my own stupidity because I just leave things too late? <laughs> but today, I've had a nightmare with um, tech. I'm rubbish at tech. But do you know, tonight, I came in panicking a little bit, but I absolutely love worship. Because yeah. when, you, when you just give yourself over to God and just, we've declared some amazing truths tonight. And when you actually just declare those truths and say, do you know what, God, just, just take me as I am. Things just, things just happen and it lifts my faith. Um, we heard a lot about faith this morning. Paul talked about faith. And I just want to talk about hope, hope living um, and living with faith. So what, what is hope living? We've all experienced hopeful things in his life, um, I would hope. <laughs> so we've all had good things happen. Or we're all, we've all been told things um, that there might be a possibility of certain things like a, a job or going on holiday. That's a good thing to hope for, isn't it? Um, but we've all experienced times of hopelessness. And for some of us, we've not had a lot of life experience yet, so they might be little things. But for some of us, we've gone through some trials. Um, and we, but we tend to focus on the more hopeless situations rather than focusing on the good things. Um, so, you know, situations like if we've been made redundant, if we're unemployed, if we've got a relationship that's, that's not going very well, or there's a relationship that's broken, if, if we're off with an illness, if, if we're ill and there's things that we can't do on our own to, to make ourselves better, um, if we can't pay the bills, you know, it feels like everything's just going wrong sometimes and we feel a bit desperate, like there's no way out. And in these times, we can often turn to a, a well-known verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. And this verse says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That's a good verse. Yeah, it's a good verse. And often we, but often we just look at this verse exclusively. We don't take it in the context that it, it, it was written because it gives us something in the midst of all that chaos and our suffering, it gives us something to cling on to. It gives us some hope. And we think that when we utter them, those words from that verse, that, that it'll calm the chaos and it'll, it'll help us. Because as humans, we want, we want immediate answers, don't we? We don't want to have to wait. And especially in society like we have today where we can get things instantly, we're not into waiting. So we tend to look for the easy option, the nice option. Um, because it's what we want to hear. Um, I think sometimes when we look at this verse, we tend to think, yeah, God's got a great plan for his life. Therefore, this suffering, this chaos that's happening in my life, this pain, this heartache, God will provide whatever it is very soon. If I pray, God will provide very soon and it'll, it'll all come to an end and then I'll prosper and I'll have a excellent life and I'll live happily ever after and there'll be no more no more pain no more bad situations no more hopelessness but this is a promise it was a promise given to the Israelites but sometimes God's promises are not always 
it's not always promises that will come to completion now. Sometimes we've got to wait. Sometimes it's later, and usually it's a lot, lot later than what we want it to be, a lot later, because we're a bit impatient, aren't we? And if you're not, then, well, come and tell me what you do, because... <laughs> <laughs> so, we kind of take this promise out of context sometimes. Um, when What we need to do is just broaden our focus a little bit more, um, and we need to look at the whole verse in context of what God is actually saying. Um, it's not, this verse is not about individual prosperity. It's not about, he's not speaking to an individual, he's speaking to a nation. It's about the ultimate welfare of a whole nation. Um, and it's not about giving that promise of prosperity immediately. And God's ultimate intentions and thoughts of his heart towards his people are, are portrayed in this verse. We're gonna, we're gonna look at the rest of the verses in just a couple of minutes. But looking at this, it's all about looking at the underlying principles. We can still apply this verse to our lives and it's still positive. Um, the Israelites were in exile. The, it, was, it was a punishment for their disobedience to God and they were in a desperate place. They wanted to be back in Jerusalem. They longed to return to that place, to that promised land. They felt hopeless and they wanted a quick way out. So there was a prophet called Hananiah who boldly proclaimed that God would deliver them from Babylon in, within two years. That within two years of them being there, God would deliver them into, back into Jerusalem. So they thought, two years? In some senses, two years is a long time, but it's doable. We, we can think, yeah, that, that's doable. Two years, yeah, we'll get as eyes focused on that. Two years and we'll be in. We're up for this, we'll listen, we'll listen to Hananiah. Um, telling them that they would have deliverance soon from the, from the hopelessness. But this is where Jeremiah steps in. Have you ever met anybody that you look at them and you think, they're a born leader, they're a born athlete, or um, they're a born comedian. That's what our Jordan should have done. He is a born comedian. <laughs> well, when you look at Jeremiah, he was a born prophet. God called him from his mother's womb. He called him even, even in his mother's womb to take a message to the nations, to urge them to have a change of heart and to turn back to God. And he, ex he experienced good times. He experienced good times uh, under the reign of King Josiah, but he also experienced persecution and he experienced times of hopelessness and hostility when he had to deliver messages and warnings to kings that weren't very good to him, to kings that weren't very good to, to, the, to the people. But despite, despite that, despite facing real hardships, he remained faithful to God and to bringing God's word. And so he wasn't very quick at responding to the calling. He wasn't very quick at embracing this calling but would you want to embrace that calling if you were to get up and stand against, stand against the, what 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 hundreds of other prophets are, are saying over a nation, what what other people are saying, and to speak out and say the opposite, but to bring the truth. And sometimes we're a little bit like that. We can be a little bit long on taking up the calling. But God calls us to do the same as Jeremiah. He calls us to be steadfast and faithful 
even in times of trouble. He was appointed to reveal the sins of the people and the grave consequences of, of that if they ignored them. But he was also called to bring hope, a message of hope and encouragement to the people. Um, and Jeremiah caught wind of what the false prophets were saying. He caught, he caught wind of what Hananiah was saying. And he called him out and he said, you know, you're lying. God has not sent you. God's told me God has not sent you. So what you're prophesying over the people is false. You're giving them a false hope. And we pick up um, Jeremiah 29, 4, just after Jeremiah's had this confrontation. And it says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and, and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I, am, I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed in Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find Find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Wow. <laughs> Did you notice how it begins with, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. I think that's probably what I'd say. I won't get up there thinking, this is me talking. He's kind of saying, look, look guys, don't shoot, the don't shoot the messenger. God says this, so if you've got a problem, go, go see him. Go see him about it, not me. <laughs> and the first thing he tells them to do is to settle down. Well, they, all they want, all they long for is to go back into this, is to go back to the promised land. That's what they long for, and they've been told that they'll go back in two years, but he's telling them, no, settle down, build houses, build, you know, make crops so that you can feed and, and multiply and settle here. He's telling them that he wants them to populate, he doesn't want them to diminish, he doesn't want them to just, just fade away. But then he warns them that about listening to the false prophets, that are giving them false hope and deliverance. And that's 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 just what they needed to hear, isn't it, in this desperate time. It, it doesn't really seem like when he first sets out that there's much hope in this, that he's giving them much hope. Telling them that, you know, in two years, this prophet's lying to him that it's gonna take two years. But he also encourages them. He encourages them to wait for the future and not to trust in these delusive assurances that they'll be immediately 
delivered. He tells them not to listen to the false prophets just because it's what they want to hear. So sometimes when we listen to things, and, and we tend to take the easy route because we think that's what we want to hear. That's the, mm. it, it's a little bit like Sarah um, said this morning with a job situation. There were a job that were perfect for her. It were more money, it were other things, and that, sat, that was what she wanted to hear. That was really what she wanted. But she decided to, to not take that route, to not take the easy route but to take what she knew that God had told her and to wait for it and to trust in God. And how many times have we trusted in our own delusive assurances? How many times have we, um, we wished for that immediate release from our circumstances and ended up with disappointment? We've probably all done it. But he encourages the nation that the nation will not come to an end that the exile will be followed by restoration. Mm. What he's telling them in, this, in this, these verses is it's God's heart towards the people and God's heart for them is for restoration, it's to restore them to their own land. Um, he's talking about God's thoughts towards them. You know, we think about things and we, we tend to forget things that we've thought. I know Chris forgets like 60 seconds later. <laughs> but. We do, we, we think about things and then I can't remember what I was thinking about yesterday or even this morning, but God does not forget what he thinks. His thoughts towards us, his heart towards us, the heart that, that he's, he's got there towards that nation, it's the heart for us as well. We are God's people and that's his, his thoughts towards us. So as he wanted restoration for the Israelites, he also wants restoration for us. He wants to restore us to himself. His thoughts, to, um, his thoughts of grace and mercy and redemption and salvation and calling, adoption, eternal life, they are all his thoughts towards us. That is amazing. That is some, some powerful things there. And just like it all pointed towards Jesus then, it all points to Jesus now. So God was giving them a hope of a glorious future. That they would return to the homeland and he's giving us a, a promise of a glorious future when jesus will return and he'll establish his kingdom here on earth and, and and looking at jeremiah this is about it's not about taking it for them for directly for the now and thinking this is going to happen now this is about this is an encouragement for the long haul this is about having hope for the long haul and this is about knowing that we will have to go through circumstances and things will feel hopeless, but there is a hope. And even though, like Jeremiah tells them that it'll take 70 years, 70 years, most of those people will have passed away and they'll never get to see that. Can you imagine that? You're hoping that you've had this hope and somebody's brought this prophecy and you know, in two years time, you're gonna be there. You're gonna have arrived, you will be at that point and it will all be exciting. And then suddenly somebody says, no, you'll not see this in your lifetime. But it was trying to give them a hope that this is not just about them as individuals or them as, as a group of people as they were now, but this is about a nation. This is about a bigger picture. This is about, this is about, about the hope. The, the whole um, 
the whole nation going forward. So, hope living requires faith. Faith is described in Hebrews 11.1 1, as being sure of the things we hope for. So it says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So it's knowing something is real, even if we do not see it. Faith is a confidence in what we hope for and an assurance about what we do not see. A hope in God is a sure confidence that what God says will happen, will happen. We have a joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. That is our hope. Our hope is a joyful expectation of our eternal salvation. And it goes beyond our lifetime into our children's lifetime and our grandchildren's lifetime and our great-grandchildren's lifetime. And we are living, we're living through these circumstances and these times, not because we, we're gonna, we might be delivered from this. Jesus might come back tomorrow, but he might not. It might be generations to come and what we do today and the hope that we have today and that we pass on to others is it's for an eternity it's all about eternity faith and hope are distinct yet they're related 1 corinthians 13 3 suggests this that they're different there's a difference between the two it says and now these three remain faith hope and love but the greatest of these is love. It lists them as separate things. But they are two of the three greatest gifts. You know, these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. The greatest is love, but they are two of the three greatest gifts that God will ever give us. And um, in Hebrews 1, 11, We've got this now. Faith, yeah, now faith is confident. Yeah. So faith and hope are related. Hope is a feeling of expectation and a desire for a particular thing to happen. So I just want to encourage you tonight that to be to be optimistic. It's positive. Hope is optimistic. Hope is positive, and and we have that expectation and that desire that that this is going to happen, and God will God. God is coming back, but God will also help you through. Yeah. You know, in these circumstances, it doesn't mean that, that you'll not get delivered from things in, in a couple of months or a couple of years, but we'll still go through hardships. But the main thing is that God will give you the strength, he'll give you the peace, he'll give you the courage to walk through those things because it's all about the bigger picture. And yeah. um, if I could have a band back, please. And just as a band are coming back, I just want to leave you with some thoughts of encouragement. Just remember that you were born with a God-given purpose, like Jeremiah. You were born with a God-given purpose. Stay focused on him, like Jeremiah did. And even amid opposition, you can prevail and you can fulfill your purpose. Yes. Trust in God with all your heart. Remain steadfast in, in living a godly life. And seek God first. Yes. Make it a priority to seek God first. You know, Jeremiah put God first. He, he must have been absolutely terrified to stand there and think, I've got to give this prophecy and tell these people and shatter the, shatter the hopes. That's what he must have felt like to him. But yet, he put God first. He put God first. 
We're called to boldly speak the truth of repentance and the hope of eternity with God. So do not despise the journey. You know, there were times in, mainly as a younger Christian, that I kind of probably did despise the journey, <laughs> thinking, well, what, what's the point? If, what's the point if life's not going to get any better? But it's about changing your perspective, and it's not just about you and your life and your circumstances. It's about all those people out there, all those people around us that don't, it, that don't yet know God. In Romans 12, 12, it tells us to rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. And just be aware of the world around you. Respond with the ability that you know him. You know the one who can give you the strength. Romans 15, 4 says, Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us, and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. And how do we do all this? How do we do it? By the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the one thing that we have that the Israelites didn't. They just had that word from God and we've got the Holy Spirit. Romans 15, 13, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Our hope comes from God. Our hope is in God. And he has a bright future for us all. Amen.